What's up, podcast listeners? In this episode, we have ECRM Senior Vice President of Retail, Wayne Bennett, hosting, and he's got three guests with him. Roger Gravett, Chief Operating Officer of the Emerson Group. Jeff Muller, Senior Director, Trade Marketing, Analytics, and Insights of the Greenwood Group. And Christine Urea, Executive Vice President of Market Performance Group. So the three guests talk about how they're supporting their customers and working with their retail partners during this coronavirus crisis. They also touch on the key priorities of retailers and how this affects current supply chain needs, product supply, and process. And they wrap up with their predictions on how the industry will recalibrate once the pandemic passes. Enjoy. Hi, this is Wayne Bennett. I'm with ECRM, and I'm joined today by a very distinguished group of uh, industry professionals uh, from the sales and marketing consulting group. Uh, these are people that I have known personally for many, many years. And today we're going to have a conversation with people who know about what's going on at retail today and people who know what's going on with the supplier community today. So let me just uh, go around the room and ask everyone to introduce themselves and we'll begin. So Roger, go ahead. Hey, Wayne. Uh, thanks for having me. Roger. Yeah. I'm uh, Chief Operating Officer with the Emerson Group. Christine? Hi, Wayne. Good to see you again. I'm Christine Urea with MPG Market Performance Group. Um, I'm EVP, Client Lead, and Business Analytics. Great. Jeff? Uh, yes, Jeff Mueller with uh, the Greenwood Group, uh, Senior Director of Trade Marketing, uh, Analytics, and Insights uh, from Buffalo, New York. Right, great guys. I appreciate you being here very much. And you know, before we get going on really the business at hand, it looks you, it looks like you're all doing great. Everyone looks healthy. Uh, everyone's smiling. Looks like everyone's got some good color. I got my lamp here shining to give you a nice glow. But just how's everyone doing personally? You guys hanging in there? Yeah, we're we're doing good. Uh, upstate New York. Uh, Needed to transition a high school senior to the house and uh, yeah. my wife to an office upstairs, but, uh, uh, you know, optimistic, uh, you know, new dynamic, no doubt, but uh, very optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, how are you making out there in Michigan? We're doing okay. Thankfully, mm -hmm. knock on wood, everybody's healthy. Uh, you know, we obviously, I've got three kids that are kind of locked in the house. So that dynamic of being homebound is a bit tough for them. I've got two seniors that who's, Senior year has been cut a little short, so uh, that's been tough. But from you know, from a personal perspective, things are good. Uh, work family is doing great. We've been very lucky. We haven't had any illness across the team, so we're, we're doing good. We're doing pretty good. Yeah, I I heard that uh, in my high school, where where obviously um, my my tenth grader is not graduating yet, but I hear the graduating class is going to do a parade through town, like everyone's oh, going to go in their car and drive around the town and honk and drive around the town. I love that. We're, we're trying to think of new ways to have graduation. Um, yeah. And maybe that drive around the football field might be one avenue for that. That's great. I think that's great. It's, it's very disappointing when you've, you know, when you've been planning proms and everything else their whole lives. It's, uh, yeah. it's a tough end for these kids. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. And Roger, how are you making out, Roger? Doing well, Wayne. Um, you know, our family and our circle is healthy, so we're blessed. Um, I do have a daughter-in-law that uh, is on the front line at uh, Boston Mass General. She's a nurse. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. We're proud of Devin and uh, all of our co now medical colleagues and for all that they're doing uh, to support and uh, handle this 
situation. Yeah. On the business front, our clients and the associates are doing well. We, um, we have a lot of one-on-ones, a lot of video conferencing, a lot of teleconferencing. So I think everybody's handling it very well. Yeah, that's great, Roger. You know, for me, two kids at home, uh, you, know, so, you know, learning, virtual learning, uh, just trying to stay put, not leave the house very much. But those afternoon walks as the weather starts getting nicer here in New York have been really very helpful. And uh, so knock on wood, all healthy here, and let's just hope it stays that way. So guys, you know, so what are you doing like with your teams right now? You guys all have large teams, lots of people working for you. You have your internal team, you have your external uh, partners and suppliers. You know, t- tell me a little bit about how you're working uh, that set. How are you keeping everyone in, in, you know, um, focused on the goal? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Christine, tell me a little bit how you're keeping your teams whole, both your, you know, your internal teams and also how you're dealing with the retailers. Yeah, so I think that, you know, we, uh, communication is so key and understanding. You know, I think that my friend uh, Lisa Paley, I was talking to her last week, and she used the terms compassion, transparency, and over-communication. And I think that was perfect. Um, you know, we're working hard as a team. We are, I think, a little bit lucky in that outside of our sales services arm, um, we primarily work virtually. So for many of us, this idea of, you know, a, a virtual workplace is not new. What is new is all of the additional family dynamic and the homeschooling um, that comes into play for many of the folks that, that are on our teams. And so we actually had a communication last week around COVID boundaries um, and making sure that we're allowing folks the time that they need uh, to get the things done they need to with their family and not feel they're stretched in a million different directions. And, um, you know, that's, I think, in the beginning of this, we were all trying to find our way. And as we've been working through this on a daily basis, we're finding really strong ways of working that help folks balance all these different components. Um, right. The idea of choosing personal communication like video or phone over an email uh, is the preference now to make sure that we're personally connecting and, and uh, trying to find those avenues for um, interaction that, you know, take the place of what we had originally in personal communication and personal connection in person. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, uh, we're finding our way as a team. I think we're doing that also with all of our clients and customers and um, Mm -hmm. they also are learning how to work from home as well. And so we're just finding a nice balance together, which is good. And just, you know, uh, you know, Wendy Liebman used the word, um, you know, humanity. And I think that's what it comes down to. We're all just finding that human connection. Yeah. Hey, Roger, you've got a lot of, you got a lot of clients. There's a lot of things, a big matrix at the, you know, Emerson or uh, Emerson group company. Uh, tell me how you guys are keeping it all together with your suppliers and retailers. What's the seat? What are you guys doing um, to keep it going? Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, trying to normalize things. So uh, as you know, you know, the associates, everybody's fully engaged. They're all working from, you know, remote locations and their, their day-to-day calendar is full, right? Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, they, you know, a lot of teleconferencing, a lot of video conferencing and uh, a lot of one-on-one discussions uh, with both the retailers and the clients. So everybody's trying to keep a normal schedule and just stay engaged uh, not just for the business continuity, but uh, more for social engagement than anything. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys done many uh, 
uh, virtual happy hours with your teams? That seems to be uh, not with the teams, but I, I've got uh, I've got an 85 year old mom and 90 year old father that uh, once a week we get together with my two sons and uh, we'll do a video conference, and that usually involves uh, a cocktail or two. Very nice, very nice. Jeff, how, how about yourself? What do you what do you guys? How are you guys keeping it together with the teams and your and your retail partners? You know, pretty pretty similar to what you've seen when when we first uh, saw this starting to uh, to engage Wayne. We we identified three pillars that we knew we needed to uh, really focus on. It was uh, people, information, and communication, and uh, we built strategies around those. I mean, first off, we had to get our people grounded and used to a little bit of a different. Uh, uh, normal. Uh, much like Christine, our team is, is very comfortable. Many of them are ready virtual. Uh, we had to transition the office and, and uh, put some new protocols in place. Uh, on the information side, we actually launched, immediately launched a, a COVID-19 portal uh, that we use internally and then also with our clients externally mm -hmm. uh, with a, a variety of information from industry to the stuff that we actually provide ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then from a communication standpoint, we have regularly scheduled internal and external, uh, as well as uh, weekly town halls, which I think like Roger mentioned are a little bit more, and Christine said, health and wellness check-in. It's funny, uh, Pat said on the last one, he said, normally we're all trying to hide our dogs when we're on a conference call. He said, I want to hear your dog barking. I want to hear a little bit of the normal out there, right? Yeah. Now, let me hear your baby crying in the background. Normally we try to keep that uh, out of our virtual meetings, but it was a uh, it's a beautiful thing to hear that now because, you know, we are separated, unfortunately. Yeah, I just heard my son walking downstairs. Uh, my office is in my in my basement of my home, and I just heard my – I thought he was going to burst into the room just now, uh, which, uh, you know, there's a, there is humanity during these times. So, uh, guys, thanks for all that. So I, I, I wanted to kind of shift a little bit to the, to the business and uh, going to split this up between two and two, two of you answering the question and two answering the other question. But um, I want to understand, like, from your perspective, a lot of you guys are in the health and wellness business today. There are some other categories you're working in as well. But how do you, how do you see the, the needs of the retailer today? Uh, what are they focusing in on? Where, where, where are they leaning in? What's on their mind today? Um, you know, Roger, you want to give some perspective on that? Sure, sure. I'd say number one is uh, they're focused on supply chain and the essentials, right? The, the products that the consumers are buying and using. Um, so any incremental inventory uh, is a priority for them. And then um, the conversation has really um, circled around that throughout March. But what we're starting to see is, is a little bit of a shift um, to putting more attention around the discussions of what does long-term impact of post-corona look like? Yeah. So the impact on the consumer, the impact on the shopper behavior. So that's really what's top of, not, top of mind in the conversations that's going on with the retailers right now. Right. We're gonna, we're gonna, I want to hear about uh, some of your future thoughts in terms of really how that is going to change. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but uh, Jeff, how, how are you seeing um, the retailers today? Where, where do you see them pivoting, leaning into? What are their needs? Um, how's that working out? Yeah, and, and some, again, similarity. We're, we're certainly all going to see some of the same things out there. 
you know, the first, the, the first wave in blush that I saw was a, a focus on their own associates with, with safety and well-being. Uh, some of the retailers putting up, the, you know, the shields uh, for uh, cashiers, uh, yep. you know, the community protocols, et cetera. Uh, absolutely supply chain. We've been on a, a number of meetings where we're identifying inventory, where we're talking about does a product need to be limited? What do our suppliers' uh, supply chain look like versus what the needs of the retailer are? Even down to priority stores, identifying priority stores that we might even allocate to. Uh, so inventory and supply chain, uh, absolutely important. And then I'd say the third piece is uh, the, the whole move to uh, uh, e-commerce delivery and click and collect. Uh, you know, major, major surge in that. Uh, some going to be a lot of unlikely winners and losers from this whole thing. Uh, and we're starting to see that in, in the numbers and some of the e-commerce data. Uh, so those are some of the things that we're seeing. Right. Uh, Christine, so I, like I know, like in terms of uh, a lot of the suppliers are looking at their supply chain, a lot of the larger manufacturers are are leaning their production capacity on the most essential brands and maybe cutting off or, or cutting back on secondary or tertiary products to help meet the high demand uh, of product. I'm curious to know, and, this, and everyone can chime in here, how, how does this all bode for the smaller manufacturer? Uh, you guys work with a lot of medium-sized, smaller emerging brands. Um, where, where is it all going for these smaller brands? How are they going to survive or what kind of role can they play in, in the environment today? Do you see the recalibration of COVID really affecting these smaller brands um, today or even into the future? What, what, do, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I think it's definitely going to have an impact whether you're small, medium or large. Like there's going to be a you know, recovery period where we're going to have a lot of incredible data to go back and figure out what the new world and the new normal look like. I think when you're a small and emerging brand, you know, uh, there's two different avenues. If you're on the essential goods, you know, side, I think that the supply chain that, you know, Roger mentioned um, and being able to, to meet the market demand is critical. And so, you know, our focus with those folks right now is making sure that we're unlocking any challenges they may have. We're keeping the wheels turning. We're helping them in terms of being able to supply, uh, you know, the market demand. But at the end of the day, helping prepare them for how to now meet the market need for next year's virus season, what that means for them in terms of innovation, um, you know, market mix changes, uh, you know, being able to, to have a, um, a different perspective on how they're going to go to market to meet that demand. They have now the ability to plan that early to be able to put their resources in the right place because a lot of those manufacturers have limited resources, right? And so we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we're giving them uh, the best playbook possible based on all the data that we have to inform that go-to-market change they might need. Right. I think that if you're in the non-essential bucket, or I don't like non-essential, I like less essential. That's that's a little bit better. Right. Um, I think that, you know, clearly the channel shifting that's happening now will have a huge impact in terms of their marketing mix in the future. And so being able to break through um, as a new and emerging brand in a space that consumers will now have to rethink and, re and kind of re-engage with actually offers small and emerging brands uh, a really big opportunity to create new space that maybe in the past they might have been a little challenged because the environment was so competitive. So there's, I think, some, some new avenues for them um, in categories as customers come in and engage yep. differently than they have maybe two, even two, three months ago right. uh, to inform that future strategy. Right, Christine, when you say channel shifting, I mean, obviously, I think online and e-commerce and, you know, buying products now online is certainly here to stay. I've read a lot about 
work in terms of enhancing assortments and even, you know, uh, delivery from the C-Store channel. Uh, tell me what you, see, what you guys are seeing in terms of channel shifting. Oh, I mean, I think that the, the adoption curve on online shopping, uh, you know, has made a dramatic change, right? So it's going to, it's definitely here to stay. What we know is once consumers make that change and they find that new convenient benefit, it's, uh, it's very hard to break that behavior. So I think that it's here to stay. Um, yep. You know, I think Numerator put out a fact the other day that 15% of all online click and collect transactions that happened over the last month were new consumers, new folks to, uh, to shopping in that avenue. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's here to stay. And, yep. um, and I, you know, as it relates then to your point about assortment decisions, the role of brick and mortar retailers uh, forward going, um, being able to potentially, you know, adjust that curve is going to be difficult. So I think thinking through all of that mix from a channel perspective is going to be part of that next wave of recovery and go to market strategy change. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by all of that, Christine. I think that's some really good insight. And, and again, you know, you know, here at ECM, we're working with a lot of smaller emerging brands and, you know, have just begun to uh, pursue a lot of now virtual interactions between retailers and buyers. It's been very successful. Uh, as of this morning, I think we have uh, nearly 900 buyer registrations for virtual engagement, which is really exciting. Wow. And, I, and I'm just really curious to hear more, maybe Jeff or, or Roger, in terms of, you know, the role of these smaller emerging brands in this market and what you see their opportunity as being, um, you know, we've, we've sorted it very, very simply as a way to fill in gaps in supply. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to know, um, you know, your thoughts in terms of what you're seeing in terms of how smaller emerging brands can, can step up or capitalize on opportunities given this, this reset world we're living in. Yeah, and I'd say, Wayne, uh, really sort of dovetailing off of Christine, uh, you know, the smaller brand certainly is going to be more, a little more cash restrained, you know, so inventory and supply chain is going to be critical. Yeah. Uh, we've engaged them all very actively on supply chain alternatives, and we found that that actually is, uh, is uh, well, well received with our retailer partners. Uh, they might be carrying a 40 count today, but versus going out of stock, they're amenable to an, in a temporary phase, put in a 20 count, just uh, to use a broad example there. So I think that's very important. Uh, the numbers we're seeing are, are even stronger than what Christine mentioned from Numerator uh, as far as uh, online shoppers being first time. And we're seeing a, a disproportionate of them going to walmart.com even versus Amazon. So it's very interesting. As I mentioned, sort of unlikely winners and unlikely losers perhaps uh, uh, based on the new normal. Uh, so we're seeing quite a bit of that shift to online as Christine said. And, and it's not exactly going where you would have thought. So it's uh, just interesting to... To, to watch the numbers and, and to be, you know, on top of the data week in and week out. Yeah, yeah. Roger, any, any thoughts? You know, just, just confirmation. Um, micro brands have been the hottest thing in health and wellness the last five years. So we're just seeing an acceleration of opportunity for these micro brands. Uh, they have agility, they have speed. Retailers are fully engaged with these brands. Um, and for us, we're just trying to make sure that we can help them navigate, um, you know, this environment, uh, especially on the supply things, supply side of things, uh, helping them forecast supply and demand. Um, you know, we, we saw, like I said, a, a big spike in March. 
uh, and as foot traffic starts to, to wane a little bit, you know, in May and June, right? Yeah, you know, they're going to give back a little bit, uh, especially if it wasn't, you know, purchased that that were made for consumption. And so, though, I think a lot of the questions that these, um, you know, all manufacturers have is what does the back half look like from a supply standpoint as well as a financial forecasting standpoint. So we spent a lot of time working with our manufacturer partners in that area, really, you know, pulling the data and, and, and helping them, uh, you know, guide through the back half of the year. Gotcha. So Roger, that's a, that's a really good segue to sort of the, the next question and, and supporting the, the supplier bases that each of your organizations support and help bring to market. Maybe you guys could share a little bit about some of the incremental value services that you're offering to support these manufacturers at, at this time and, and to move them past the current situation into what the new normal may look like uh, in hopefully three months from now, six months from now into next year. Uh, maybe you could share a little with, with us about what it is you guys are bringing the, the, the value added to, to the table. Uh, Christine, you want to maybe talk a little bit about from an MPG point of view? Um, absolutely. You yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that, you know, uh, you mentioned, you know, smaller and emerging brands. And I think in a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways, because those brands uh, you know, need to be um, scrappy and need to, you know, have a very direct connection with their consumers, they're very well positioned from a marketing perspective to pivot to a more digital environment as we start to move into this recovery period. Where they need help from, um, from companies like ours is the market visibility to um, data and insights and understanding you know, um, you know, where the puck is moving, what the impact has been from a shopper perspective and from a category perspective so they can best navigate where to direct um, their energies and, and from a retailer perspective, how they can best um, impact their assortment strategies, their promotional strategies based on the data that we have access to. Um, we're very fortunate. We've got a, a very you know, broad portfolio of clients and we have access to every category of data. So we have um, a lot of information at our fingertips and the way that we can bring that together um, for them to help them build out that strategy, I think is, uh, is where we add the most value. Clearly from a supply chain perspective, you know, our sales service teams are working day and night to make sure that we're supporting all the supply needs today but thinking through forward going, how to best position, um, you know, next year's season, yeah. um, I think is just as important. I know we are, right. we're in the heat of it right now, but um, we will have a, a very big cold season next year, um, virus season, we're calling it. And that new medicine cabinet uh, will be very different than it was three to four months ago. And so how we can, um, you know, help inform what that needs to be and then yep. position, you know, the manufacturers to best meet that need, I think is where we can provide the best value. Yeah, Christine, I think I like the cough cold season better than the virus season. Yeah. We're not waiting. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, what, what about you? season and virus season, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Jeff, what, tell me a little bit about uh, the Greenwood Group. What are you guys doing as value add to help support your, your mix of suppliers? In yeah, absolutely, Wayne. And, and again, consistent with the team here. Uh, I can tell you while we do a lot of demand planning and forecasting, it's absolutely an overdrive. Uh, you know, understanding that supply chain is uh, extremely important. Uh, the portal that we launched uh, uh, 
communicates uh, on a high frequency now with our clients on industry trends, uh, on consumer sentiment, uh, you know, social feedback, social pulse, as well as weekly sales and, and support of the forecasting. Uh, as Roger mentioned, uh, it's wonderful to see on one side what's being sold, but if you're not selling expandable consumables, uh, how much business have you potentially mortgaged? Uh, uh, you know, you got a full medicine cabinet and we start to come out of this. Uh, uh, what does third quarter look like? What does fourth quarter look like? Helping our clients to manage that. And we've even had some proactive meetings on, uh, you know, product development. Uh, you're going to see immunity products explode. There's yeah. going to be more immunity products. Emergency is going to have more friends on the shelf than, than an awful lot that they had in the past. So yeah. uh, a lot of proactive opportunities as well, you know, thinking of the consumer and, and meeting that new consumer need. Like Christine said, that uh, medicine cabinet is going to look very different. And, and people's little backup supply is going to look very different uh, going into future years. Right. Um, you know, I always like stealing the, the uh, term from Jim Cramer, every market has opportunity. And uh, obviously, it sounds like uh, coming out of COVID, there'll be lots of opportunity in, in a whole host of ways. Roger, obviously, uh, you know, knowing the Emerson Group, and I, I, I'm thinking, you know, as Jeff and Christine are talking, I'm thinking about that large, massive wound that you always take for cough, cold at ECRM. Uh, it's, 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 it's a show within itself. And so uh, I'm eager to hear what uh, you guys are doing at the Emerson Group in terms of, you know, continuing um, uh, the value, the values that you, you know, offer your supplier community, community to help them navigate today and into the future. Yeah. No, I, I you know, as I said, I, I think right now, short term, midterm uh, of, of supply, you know, forecasting and financials is is top of mind for every one of our manufacturers, right? Um, they're obviously concerned about the back half of the year, how to maximize the opportunities, but how to protect themselves, right? So manage the, ri manage the risk and the downside, uh, but take advantage of the opportunities that are presented uh, to them. And then uh, Jeff mentioned there, there, there's tremendous opportunity on the business development front. Um, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see some emerging categories come out of this, and some categories redefined that will present uh, tremendous opportunities for our manufacturer partners. So that's the fun stuff. That's the exciting things as we think a little bit more long term. Yeah. Well, again, Roger, thank you. I mean, th that's a really good segue to really the uh, the last question I have for you guys today, and this is kind of the spitballing. Uh, part of, of the uh, of the uh, of the conversation today, and we talked a little bit about in the beginning, but maybe you guys can share a little bit more uh, perspective on um, not what we've already said, but maybe some some other deeper thoughts you have about how this whole current situation, coronavirus, COVID, uh, and how is it really going to change retail for the future? How our consumer habits will change. Uh, media consumption is changing, right? There's no sports on TV. And, you know, I've personally been doing more reading uh, on my Kindle now. Uh, so things are really changing. So, you know, it, it, you know, closing here now, I, I, you know, I want to know what you guys think about big thoughts for the future. And what are, you know, in closing, what other recommendations can you make uh, to the audience that's going to be viewing this, uh, this uh, piece of content uh, later? Jeff, what do you think? 
Oh, I mean, what's your, big, what's, your big, what's your big prediction for the future? Well, the, the obvious ones are the, you know, the e-commerce and the click and collect and the stuff we're seeing on the ground. I don't want the obvious, the unobvious. Well, I think you're going to see uh, what's starting to be called supply chain protectionism. I think you're going to absolutely see that. Uh, people are starting to understand that uh, this is certainly unprecedented, but uh, their supply chains were, were not certainly up to it. Uh, I think on an even bigger picture, you're going to see that uh, uh, from a government perspective and nationally, uh, where we start to see uh, you know, critical supply manufacturer come back to the U.S. and be secured should we be relying on PPE you know, from 13 countries that you know, who would ever have thought, you know, a global piece like this? I mean, even our strategic stockpile was never built to supply all 50 states at the same time. Uh, right. So I think there's going to be a lot of rethinking around all of that. Uh, and it's going to make us all rethink. Uh, and, and I think on a positive side, too, I think uh, Christine said it great. Uh, I think we're going to rethink our humanity. Uh, we're connecting with people. I've seen people pull pictures out that are 20 years old of me and and I'm like, why are you posting that? You got time on your hands. You're, you're digging through your boxes and, you know, in the Zoom meetings and people getting together, uh, uh, dropping off an Easter lily next door to our neighbor. Uh, I think you're going to see a piece on humanity that's going to hopefully be a little deeper and, and a little better for all of us coming out of it. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Christine, what do you think? What, what, tell me something, uh, 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 a forecast, a prognostication for the future, something we haven't discussed yet. What do you think the future will bring from a retail CPG world? I mean, I mean, uh, I think obviously the online piece and all the things that Jeff just mentioned, I think that the humanity comes into play as well. The connection that we have um, as an industry, I think, has been amazing. Um, you know, what, how we have pivoted from a supply chain perspective to meet uh, the market need when we put the consumer truly at the center Um you know, without any barriers has been phenomenal. And so we've always proven to do that as an industry. What I've been most impressed with now is the speed with which it has happened. And I think this will serve as a, a benchmark for how we address things in the future. Uh, when we really pull back the layers of what needs to get done, we have one aligned position around, you know, putting the consumer at the heart of that um, objective. And I think that, you know, I think it's going to be a defining moment for the industry once we come through this um, and how things work and how we get things done. Secondarily, you know, one of the pieces that we've talked about for a very long time as an industry is the role of the drugstore as it relates to being a healthcare partner yeah. for their patients. Yeah. And, you know, now we have telemedicine coming into play, clearly the role of the pharmacist yeah. and store clinics. I think all yeah. of that will shake yeah. um, in a way that starts to define a new role for yeah. uh, the drug channel overall. Yeah. And I say drug channel, but really it's about the role of the retailer, more brick and mortar retailer as it relates yeah. to um, health partnership. You know, clearly we're seeing more shopping online, but there's still that personal connection in health management that I think that we've dipped our toe in as an industry, but I think it's going to explode once we get now to a place where you have uh, consumers looking for um, advice, looking for partnership outside of the traditional healthcare practitioner. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that's going to really be uh, the next wave. Yeah, Christine, uh, but Roger, before I go to you, Christine, I would agree with you that the role of the community pharmacist is going to certainly, I think, finally completely rise to, to its profession. Uh, and, you know, once that COVID immunization vaccination is approved, I mean, if you think about how many flu shots are being done at retail today, now overlay that with a COVID shot and think about all the store traffic that will happen, you know, now in community pharmacy. 
So I would agree with you. And, and, you know, having been with the retail drugstore industry for so many years, I mean, this is what they've been talking about forever. Right. Exactly. I mean, I remember seeing yeah. things about pandemic, you know, response, you know, through the various trade associations. And this finally is, it's, you know, yeah. addressing all these things that they've done. And unfortunately, it was always a what if, what if that were to ever happen, right? So that's why I think it never really got the full traction. But now we're living it. We know the need. We understand it better. We all feel it personally. Yeah. And I think that's probably the thing we needed to kind of tip it over, uh, over the scales. You know, then you, cu- you couple that with what that new definition of the medicine cabinet looks like. And it, now you think forward to what the store experience needs to be, what the assortment needs to be in store. There's, it just has, in my mind, uh, many different avenues that it will take. Um, but it will happen quickly, I believe. Yes. So, Roger, uh, being the consummate spitballer, tell me what. Tell me. Tell me what. Uh, tell me some big thoughts for the future. What do you see in the future? So the big bets. Uh, I, I feel like it's like December, January, New Year's. You know, what do we expect, right? Um, but for me, um, you know, the big bets: hygiene redefined. Uh, you know, think about. Hygiene, totally different in how this has impacted our society. It'll go across every category, you know, bath, derm, first aid, uh, body wash, um, how the retailers themselves think about hygiene and the shopping experience. Because as, you know, as consumer shoppers, uh, as a society, we're thinking about it differently going forward, right? We've had six, we'll have 60 days plus of cocooning. Um, you know, asking us to wear a mask, asking us to wash our hands multiple times a day. Um, so high is going to get redefined in our society and in the retailer world. Uh, the other thing is wellness, uh, prevention. Yep. It's going to open up the door for so many different uh, subcategories and brands. You know, think about stress, think about sleep, think about relaxation. Uh, this is where the mic going to take advantage uh, of this opportunity and, and move forward. So it's, it's, I think it's exciting times for, um, you know, both retailers and manufacturers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good's going to come out of it. Uh, challenging today, but uh, I think we'll come out with nothing but opportunity. Yep. Well, Jeff, that's, that's good. And before we close, the, I mean, just in terms of any closing thoughts, I think, Jeff, your closing thought is very positive. Christine, Roger, any, any closing thoughts? Jeff, good things are going to come out of it. Um, anything else you guys want to offer here as we close uh, the conversation today? I'd say a time of patience, discipline, and process. And I just say thanks to everybody for a great conversation today. And, and above all, uh, you know, please be uh, safe and healthy. Yeah. Well, guys, listen. I did it. <laughs> Christine, what? No, that was it. I, I concur. Everybody, I wish you all, you know, obviously uh, safety, you know, safety for your family, wellness for your family, and for all of us, uh, you know, we will, we will emerge from this. We will emerge in stronger um, as an industry, stronger as a community, and uh, um, it will be positive coming out for sure. Right. Yeah, and and for me, every disruption is an opportunity. So yeah, into it, be optimistic, uh, stay safe, and stay healthy. Yeah, guys, I'm I'm real thankful that I can bring uh, the three of you on this call today and get your insights in terms of what you're seeing, what you're hearing. 
obviously connected to a lot of suppliers and a lot of retailers. Uh, my, my hope is that when we see you physically, the three of you look as great in person as you do look on the screen today. And uh, I, I really do appreciate the conversation. And uh, most importantly to you and your families, everyone stay healthy, stay safe. And, uh, you know, continue to do the great work you guys are doing to bring products to the hands of consumers to keep us healthy and sane and safe. And uh, I just wish everyone a great day and hoping we can see you at the next uh, industry function, hopefully an ECRM function. But if not, we'll see you where we can. So, guys, thank, thank you. you. Roger, thank you. Jeff, Christine, be well. Thank you, guys. And look forward to speaking to you all soon, okay? Take care. All the best. Okay, bye-bye.